have faith in God is not a stagnant state. It's a journey. As a believer, we should grow in our knowledge of God and His Word. Walk with Alan Cutting and many other believers as together we walk the believer's journey. Aloha and welcome to the believer's journey. Thank you so much for coming and uh, joining us again. We're going to uh, be continuing our topic we talked about a couple weeks ago on the biblical perspective of the blended family. This is kind of like part two. And my guest with me is Chet Marco. How are you doing? I'm doing good. And so um, if just to recap what we talked about a little bit before, uh, Chet, uh, Chet and I have been longtime friends. He's one of my closest, well, maybe not closest, but one of my best friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, so he has a business. He's a businessman, and yet he uh, does uh, health insurance. Right. One of the largest in Texas. Yeah. And um, so we have him here today. Uh, and we also, uh, I'm familiar with Chet as far as being in, as in the ministry. Right. And he worked with uh, teens. You've worked with uh, young adults, college age, families, singles, families. All works. So and he's been in different places of the world doing his um, ministry. Mm-hmm. So uh, was a missionary in Japan, the Appalachian Mountains, Mexico, Central America. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Too bad you didn't go to Hawaii when I was there in (laughs) (laughs) Maui. Yeah, that'd be a good place to be. uh, Anyway, last week we talked about we're going to get right on the topic. And there might be normally we have about a half hour we do this, but it's going to be almost an hour. And I don't know if we have that much time. To talk about it, but I know that Chet can talk a lot, and this is a huge topic uh, when we talk about blended families. And today we're going to talk more about the problems that arise in homes and families that create problems in blended families. Hmm. And so this is what we're going to kind of um, deal with today. Uh, I want to recap last week. We talked about things like, uh, first off, approximately one-third of all the weddings in the United States Okay, or in America, they form um, step homes, mm-hmm. step families. Okay, they say that forty-two adults have blended family relationships with a step parent, uh, a step or a half sibling, and a step child. Mm-hmm. Okay, which is pretty big. Yeah, that's, that's a, a lot. That's a lot. I know that uh, when you and I went to the same church if, several years ago, we had a probably a membership of about uh, twenty-five thousand people. And they said at least half of those people were single. Right. Now, I know that when you and I worked together uh, in the singles department, a lot of those people were there to look for somebody to get married. All right. They were, or remarried. Or remarried. Especially, <laughs> yeah. Or remarried, yes. Yeah. And, and we, we dealt with a lot of problems in, right. in that singles thing. In fact, you and I weren't always eye to eye. Yeah, yeah. But that was okay. Well, you know, I think one of the big things, you know, um, I remember I was uh, helping. Well, I, my my background was a lot in youth ministry, and the pastor asked me, he said, "Hey, Chet, we had we have eight singles that uh, want to start a singles ministry, and I have nobody to lead it." And he says, "Chet, will you start it?" And you know, one of the things that's kind of interesting that I found in ministry is that. Sometimes the Lord will put you in some place and he will grow it. You know, one of the things I learned when I was a missionary is we went to three villages a night, preached the same message in each village. And some villages grew like crazy. Some villages did not. You know, and it really showed me that the Lord's in control. You know, the Lord's the one that makes things happen. And uh, that my job is just to be faithful to share the word. You know, that's my job. But, you know, when we started that singles ministry, we started with eight people and the thing just exploded. I mean, I just couldn't believe what happened. I mean, um, you know, we, we started with just a singles group and then we went to a college singles and then we had, you know, people post-college to 35 and then we uh, had 35 to to 50 and then we started, you know, a uh, you know, an over 60 singles group, you know, kind of a deal. And and by the time it all went, you know, we had probably 800 people, you know, and, and that God was working in it. He just exploded the ministry. 
But um, you're right, though. You know, we kind of concentrated in the 35 to 60 group. And, you know, that was a class, you know, I taught. But, you know, the one thing that I realized, you know, quickly into the ministry was how damaged a lot of these people were, you know. Um, you know, divorce is probably, you know, one of the things I learned in in single ministry was just how devastating the divorce can be to families um, or to people. Why don't we just narrow it down to people? And as we got deeper into that, we started to realize, um, you know, the divorce is traumatic in the first place, you know, and a lot of churches will start divorce recovery classes where you actually go back and figure out, hey, where, where did I go wrong? You know, what happened to my marriage? Because until you figure that out, you really shouldn't be going into another marriage, you know. And so <clears throat> what you see is these people will come in and they're they're so broken that the first person that shows them love, they go running into a relationship. And then next thing you know, they're duplicating what just happened, having never dealt with the problems in the very beginning. And um, um, and so, you know, one of the things that we really worked on, you know, in that single was trying to prepare these people to be able to be ready to go into another marriage, you know. Yeah, it, it seems like what a lot of these divorced people mm-hmm. don't understand is that when they leave one marriage and they're walking into the next marriage without any kind of healing, they're bringing and taking in all that baggage that they had from the first marriage. Right. And they're taking all that baggage that, that created that problem in the first place. There's probably low self-esteem. There's probably abuse and all these yeah. other things. And it right. just multiplies. They say that your second marriage is actually the divorce rate's even higher at 70%. Right. So, and that's probably a result of the fact that they're bringing in all the baggage from this other stuff without the healing, you know, into that second marriage. Right. right. You know, and, and, it, I think, you know, one of the things, I'm a big guy. I'm, I'm 6'4", about 250 pounds. And, um, you know, I, I had a pretty normal childhood. You never had any problems, you know, kind of a thing. And, but what I began to see um, is there's a lot of people that did not. And, you know, either it be the childhood or the type of relationship. And a lot of times, the type of relationships that these people walk into have a lot to do with their childhood. And, you know, what was so interesting is, you know, here I am, this guy that had a very normal childhood, and I'm going to go back a little bit. But the very first church I ever worked at, you know, I'm two weeks away from starting the job, but I've been kind of going in trying to get to know the kids. And, I'm working on a fence, okay? I found a little job to put up a fence behind these people's house, and one of the kids came over and helped me. And I remember, you know, that kid, you know, he walked up to me, and he goes, Chet, I need to talk to you about something. I was like, sure, let's talk. And the kid starts telling me that he got sexually molested by a guy in the church, a guy that was on staff at the church. And... You know, here I am, fresh out of college, no experience like that, and I was just like, whoa, you know, how do I handle that? You know, how do I handle those kind of situations? And, you know, I started trying to educate myself on the topic. And the first thing I learned was that when sexual abuse happens, there's never just one. You know, there's never just one. And by the time we got finished, we had over 57 kids in that church that had been sexually molested. Um, you know, and, and what I realized is, is that sometimes God puts you in situations where you have to become a dragon slayer. OK, that all this was going on <clears throat> within a church. And I'm going to get back to blended families here in just a second, but I want to deviate here a little bit. But. You know, what was these kids were hiding in the background, petrified of being at church um, with somebody that had 
taking advantage of their their innocence. And, had, you know, and these kids, they say one of the biggest damaging things in sexual abuse is that these people, the people that they trust to protect them, didn't protect them. Either their parents or the church yeah. did not protect them. And um, we ended up, you know, finding all the kids, but it, they strung out, out over a period of time. Um but we had to get these kids into counseling. I remember I had to tell the parents about sexual abuse, about what happened to their children. I remember sitting in a conference room with the parents of one of the kids, and the guy had a heart attack right there in the conference room. It was pretty wild. Um, but, you know, the thing is, is that there's a lot of trauma happening to kids who later become adults. Right. All right. They become adults, and they carry that trauma forward. And, you know, unfortunately, one of the things in in my marriage is, um, you know, the Lord kept putting me in those situations where I'm drawing out all these kids that have been sexually abused. And then I met my wife and she told me she had had an experience. And I thought, hey, you know, I said, have you dealt with this, honey? I mean, you know, kind of a thing. And she assured me she had, but she hadn't. You know, and so we went through a period, um, you know, where we had to get lots of counseling to work through it. Now, I'll go a little more into that here in a little bit. But what moving forward, one of the things is my wife, because, I mean, we had over, a you know, 100 people in our class and my wife stood up and gave her testimony to the class. And what blew me away was probably 60, 70% of the people in that class had been abused. And I mean, it, it broke my heart seeing that. And, you know, what we realized is that uh, in that process was that, you know, a lot of these singles from childhood carried it into their first marriage. And because they had never dealt with the stuff from their past, it destroyed their first marriage. Okay, it destroyed their first marriage. And then having still not dealt with it, they roll into a second marriage and it destroys that marriage. And it goes on and on and on. And, you know, we realized that a big part of any ministry is, you know, in First Corinthians 13, it talks about putting away childish things and uh, putting away childish things and things, putting it away so that we can love. You know, and, um, you know, the, the thing I realized on sexual abuse is that it gives Satan a foothold, okay, in their lives, and it destroys all the functionality. It destroys their concept of sex and marriage. It destroys their concept of trust. It destroys their concept of self-esteem, of guilt, all these different things. And so they end up going through marriage as a damaged person, not able to receive or give love appropriately or the way God meant meant it to be because Satan's got a hold of them in there. And I, I remember the description that one of the people used. They said, somebody gets abused and it's like vines that stretch all throughout their body, damaging uh, their ability to do a whole host of things. And and so the healing process is you go through and you have to almost like it's like lancing the boil, okay? And you got to get all the pus out and you got to get all the faulty thinking out and you got to clean all that out and bring it to the surface. And then the next step is beginning to realize, okay, what did God mean? You know, what was God's plan for me in marriage? What was God's plan for me with sex? You know, what was God's plan for me in trust? And and going back in forgiveness and forgiving myself and, and, and learning uh, not to carry that burden. You know, that, you know, these people that got uh, molested feel dirty. You know, they feel uh, like somehow it was their fault and all this. And a big part of somebody being healed from sexual abuse is them learning to put that where it belongs. Yeah. Okay. 
I have a really different story. I'm going to stick with the idea of this abuse. Okay. Um, I didn't grow up in a nice, wonderful home with parents who were wonderful parents. I right. grew up in a very dysfunctional home where there was not sexual abuse, but I had physical abuse, verbal abuse, emotional abuse, mental abuse. Mm-hmm. And you go through some of the same stuff. You go through some of the, some of the same, you know, I don't, I'm not, God couldn't love me. I'm not any good. Or you have the guilt. You have this stuff. I mean, I lived in a home. Well, my my dad was, was pretty abusive when we were mm-hmm. kids. I mean, mm-hmm. he changed totally as we, after we grew up. Uh, different man totally. Mm-hmm. But as a child, I mean, I was beat. You know, I remember my uncle came and visited us. Right around the time my dad left, my mom's brother came, and I was upset with my bicycle. I kicked it. My uncle got mad at me and beat me. Wow. It was my uncle, not even my dad or my mom. So, you know, when you have a mom that backhands you or slaps you or your dad that hits you and beats you to your bleeding, literally, mm-hmm. you know, you have the same kind of issues of lack of self-worth growing up. You have the mm-hmm. thing of, you know, because a lot of this, I would say... Sexual abuse is is more so than than all the other abuses, but you still have this this idea of lack of trust because you trusted your parents. Right, you trusted them to take care of you. I married a girl who passed away when I was in Hawaii, and she was sexually abused, and she was physically abused, and she was verbally abused, and I believe she was probably somewhat mentally abused. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, in Hawaii, she bought a size five dress, and she. She was wondering if she was thin until she try, tried this dress on because her mother always told her she was fat. Wow. And I'm like, you're kidding me. And so she <clears throat> had this major problem because of her father's sexual abuse. And she ended up, she would drink and smoke, not caring if she died slowly right. because she couldn't get rid of all the pain until finally one day she went and drank herself and never woke up. Wow. And so the, the abuse... In all areas, it's really traumatic. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think it's any different. It matters a lot when you're a child because, you know, not only are you innocent, I think anybody's innocent who's being abused. Right. Okay. <clears throat> there are a lot of ways to handle anger. There's a lot of ways to handle your methods than being abusive. Mm-hmm. I think that um, a husband is abusive to his wife. You know, he's got problems probably from his childhood. You know, I I don't think that when I was, you know, um, in my 20s and so forth, I I probably had abusive behavior. I imagine I really did. It's hard for me to to know. I was also under medication. So I'm thinking back. There were some weird things that I did and some bad things I did. And I had to go through a process of healing. And without that healing, you know, it would probably continue. All right. So, so I think that there's a huge problem there. I think that the people that remarry, we're back to blended families. We're gonna get because we're gonna get back to. I the, do have one more thing I want to add. In we're that. gonna go back to a, the abuse thing in a minute. Oh, okay. It's your show. Okay. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get back to that because we're gonna right. get back into this more heavily and deeper. Mm-hmm. But even in, in when people that remarry, there's probably a 75 percent of of people that remarry, and 65 percent of those bring in children into a step family situation. Right. 65%. And if you can imagine, there's a lot of those families that have problems of lack of self-esteem, lack of trust, a feeling of, of that they're not worthy, you know, a feeling of guilt for whatever reason it is. There are people who have been, I mean, I'll, I'll go ahead and tell you this with my, my uh, previous wife, when I said passed away, when she told her dad no on the sexual abuse and he wanted her to sit on his lap and she told her mom what he was doing, she says, you're lying to me. That's not really true. Mm-hmm. So where do you go as a child? Right. There's nowhere to go. But when you become an adult, you have choices. Yeah, that, that, that's a big part of the healing process for people that have been abused because you have abusers mm-hmm. and then you have the co-abusers, Okay which are the people that you went to for help that refused it right. or like, don't, don't upset the family. You know, you keep that to yourself. We don't want that getting out. We don't want that coming out of the closet. 
<clears throat> and like with my my um, wife's family, um, her mom went ballistic when my wife began to uh, deal with her sexual abuse. I mean, you know, she was like, you don't bring that out. And, and, and part of the healing process is, like I said earlier, is learning to put the guilt or learning to put the blame where it belongs. And, you know, a lot of these people that have been abused have to confront their abusers. They have to, um, uh, they have to uh, confront their co-abusers. Like my wife had to go to her mom and said, Hey, I was being abused and you swept it underneath the rug, you know, and confront them, you know, and, and there's there's a process of taking that burden and putting it back on the people that caused it. Yeah. And that's a big part of the healing process. My previous wife, again, when we were talking about um, her father passed away before she could ever confront him. Mm-hmm. She was I think she was 18 or something like that. And she, he passed away. So while we were married, we went back to uh, the city where she was born, raised. And she went to his grave and and stood there and yelled at him at his grave. Wow. Got it out of her system, you know, because she had to have, she was trying to deal with healing. Mm -hmm. And she didn't know else how to deal with it. She never spoke to her mom again about it because her mom was just, you know, I don't want anything to do with it. Don't want to listen to it. But she really stood at that grave site and just yelled at her her dad's grave. Well, you know, one of the interesting, um, you know, a couple scriptures you know, that, you know, it's funny, I was looking at the scripture where Jesus says that for somebody that causes these children to stumble, you know, or you harm the children, Mm -hmm. he says it'd be better to have a millstone around your neck thrown into the deepest ocean. Yeah. You know, that's how serious Jesus was about protecting children. Yeah. You know, in the Bible, it tells us do not exasperate or exasperate your children. I'm I'm sorry, my tongues. But, (laughs) you know, the you know, the part of that that we're not to stress. I mean, we're not to, you know, mess with our kids minds or, or, you know, screw with them, you know, kind of a thing, uh, harm them, you know, and abuse, either physical, any of these things is so unsettling to our children. You know, we are the ones that are the example of Jesus's and God's love to our kids. And, you know, you know, and in a blended situation, these kids are like, okay, hey, here's this new person. How do I react to them? You know, how do I react? You know, do I, do I let my guard down and love them? Do I, let my guard down and receive it. You know, is this guy even worthy of, of that love? You know? Yeah. And so, we, you know, as parents going into a blended situation, we have a lot of responsibility um, to be forgiving, to be loving, you know, to realize these are kids who are not emotionally developed, who just went through a traumatic experience. And our job is to be an example of God's love to them. You know, yeah. and that doesn't mean that we have to be the heavy handed justice. Sometimes we just need to be the love. Yeah. You know, you know, I believe and I'm just kind of going to throw this out here. I believe a lot of people who have gone through a marriage and divorce. Mm-hmm. OK. Uh, or gone through a marriage, maybe even if you're a widow, a widower um, looking to be remarried. Um. Because divorce itself does a lot to you. Even right. even death does mm-hmm. a lot to you. But I think mm-hmm. divorce is even worse than death. I've experienced both. Yeah. And I think divorce is worse uh, because you have a sense of failure. You have a sense of rejection right. more right. so than death. Right, right. Um, so I, I think that um, when uh, – this is a, a good statement, I think, for those of you who are pastors and ministers and in, in, uh, missionaries who deal with this. I know there's a, a lot of them that we talk to. Um, I think it's really important that these people are going to a counseling situation, but they go into a counseling situation with somebody who's 
intelligent about abuse, about right. the problems that they're going that they've come out of. Right. Because if <laughs> I, I know somebody who went to a counselor from a, uh, a situation who there were uh, abuse from a, uh, a husband, controlled and abused for 20 years, their parents were abusive in, in different ways. The counselor after a couple of years says, oh, you're all healed. And the counselor had, had no idea what he was dealing with. Right. And uh, it was just a church plant counselor who doesn't have a degree, who doesn't really understand those behaviors. One of the things that I've learned as a counselor is that when you've been abused, however you've been abused, okay, you have a much harder time developing intimate relationships. Hmm. It's almost impossible if you don't get healed. Right. You, you have a gap. You have a distance where you're basically saying, you know, that, oh, I love you. Uh, intimacy, yeah, 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 but it's not there. I, in, when I've counseled at a church or churches, I've dealt with people who would say things like, you know, oh, my parent, I'm the way I am and I do the things I do because my parents were bad parents. And they're 35 years old and 40 years old. Mm -hmm. And, of course, I'm not real pleasant. I say, you know, that's a bunch of garbage. You're 35 years old. You've made all your decisions as an adult for the last 15 years. You need to get over it and start making decisions and heal and get on the boat without blaming your parents for your actions today. Right. Because that's another problem we, we deal with, especially when we're looking at people who were in marriages who deal with their spouses, you know, let's say men. I mean, it's an epidemic in our country. And I think it's probably an epidemic maybe in the world that there's a lot of men who beat their wives, who treat them with such abuse, bad behavior because of their abuse as a child. They carried on to their marriage, which their kids are going to carry on to their marriage and, and their children. And it's going to go. It's an ongoing thing. And now it's an epidemic that our nation isn't our world isn't really working on. Right. It, it just kind of we cover it up. Just like, you know, when grandma says, oh, don't air your dirty laundry. You mm-hmm. don't want to be embarrassed. Well, things are going worse and worse, you know. And, and I think that, you know, when you have kids who grow up with anger, I grew up with an anger situation. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my mom and dad divorced at 10 and I was angry. Right. In fact, when I was in fourth grade, the year my dad left, I don't know of anybody in the world that got a fail in citizenship <laughs> except me. <laughs> I was so upset, so angry. I would literally put tacks on my teacher's chair. I would pull chairs out when people were doing Pledge of Allegiance so they'd sit on the floor. I was terrible. You were a bad kid. I was a bad kid. (laughs) But I was acting out because of what was happening at my home. I didn't know I was acting out, but I was acting out at home. Somebody pushed me. I didn't care if he was your size. I'd punch him in the face. You don't push me around. Mm -hmm. I was an angry kid, Mm -hmm. angry teenager. Mm-hmm. And I had to get over this. I had to learn. And and uh, one time, in fact, I'll tell you this story is really interesting. I was at a, a church, <laughs> a church outing in California in the in the mountains in the snow. And there was a bunch of us that were from our group, you know. And we were a, a tough bunch of guys. We were sitting there and uh, standing there along the edge of the the road and all these cars are parked so nobody can park in between. So as the cars were driving down the road, there were nowhere to park us, pull aside. So what we would do, we would stand along the road with snowballs. Mm-hmm. We'd throw them at a car, car would stop, the hunk, they would honk from behind and they would keep on going and we had a great time throwing snowballs at cars and never getting in trouble because no cars pulled over. Mm-hmm. Till one time, one guy, was driving down and I was holding my snowball and the two guys next to me threw theirs to a guy who had his window open. Mm-hmm. And he started rolling it up and hit the window and hit him in the face. He got angry, pulled to the side, cars are honking, he didn't care. He came over, they all ran, I'm standing there and he says, oh, do you think you're pretty smart? And I looked around and he says, well, yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. So the guy started chewing me out. Then he backed up and he hit the, everything in my face. Well, I lost it. Mm-hmm. And the guy was been 22 years old, I was only 17. I beat the crap out of the guy. Uh-huh. I was pulled off. I went over across the street. Everybody's, hey, yeah, Alan, oh, wow, look at this, you know. And I walked across the street where my pastor was, Lon Ekdahl. And he's putting ice in the radiator. And he said, he looks over to me, and I'm kind of smiling. He says, so you feel like a big man now, don't you? 
oh, I felt this big. Mm-hmm. And I knew right away I was in the wrong. Mm-hmm. Didn't matter. And, um, but it was that anger. And I carried that anger into my 20s All right. until I finally realized I need to fix this. I need to get rid, get rid of this stuff. And I started reading books and going to counseling. And, and I went to an anger management uh, group, you know, mm-hmm. and, and dealt with it. And so basically, I think that you can be abused in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter because when you become an adult, that if you're not healed, if you carry that into your life, those relationships of your spouse, of your children at workplaces, your friends are all going to be recipients of your bad behavior because you neglected to seek counseling. I don't know if people understand they need counseling, understand they have the problem. I'm not sure. I think a lot of people do. Well, Some people don't. I'll tell you, one of the most interesting things, um, and and not good interesting, but you know, I told you about the first church I was at where I uncovered all those kids. And, you know, this was... I'm 56, so I was 21 at the time, so 30 years ago. Well, you know, a lot of these kids are friends of mine on Facebook. And what what was interesting is the guy that did the abusing. Uh, don't, don't do that, yeah. Um, <laughs> the guy that did the abusing, 99% of all abusers were abused his children. And, you know, this guy, um, you know, what was so fascinating about it was this guy was one of the nicest guys I'd ever met. Uh, He was beloved in the church, but as a child, his brothers and his family used to drag him off out into the cornfield and rape him. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, they lived out in this small town. And so that's sad, but he turned it into doing the same thing to other. You know, so this nice guy had a very dark, evil side, you know. And and I look at the kids that got abused by him, and some of them were able to get healing and turn their lives around, but some of them became abusers, just like that guy. Mm-hmm. And And you realize that you know, this millstone around their neck, you know, that these people that have never dealt with this stuff and then they turn around and start to do it to other people, you know, God says it would be better for a millstone to have been thrown around their neck, you know, because of what they're doing to these kids. And, you know, in, in the Bible, it tells us, it says, never be harsh with your wife. Don't exacerbate your your children. And that's a huge burden. We are to love our family and our wives like Christ loved the church, you know, willing to die for them, you know, and love them like Christ loved the church. And and I think that that's a, a tremendous burden. And where we see the damage in people is they weren't loved, you know, that they were exacerbated, that somebody was harsh with them. And, you know, and the damage that they carry on to the future just perpetuates itself. The sins of the father, the sins of the son. And, you know, the thing that we have to do as Christians is we have to help that stop. You know, we have to, you know, we need to confront the evil, you know. And, you know, one of the things that was so neat about the class that we did was when we began to see that, a lot of the reason why these people were in their divorce was because of past trauma. You know, we were able to help a lot of these people get into counseling, get into help, so that they could begin to forgive and 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 deal with this pain so that they could be a fully functioning person going into the second marriage. Yeah. And it, it made me realize how much all this stuff plays a role in why divorce is so rampant. You know, so rampant, you know, and so uh, I think that was the biggest eye opener for me was just seeing how rampant it was. And, 
you know, one of the things that the Lord did to me and I, you know, um, the next church I went into, I found like 27 kids and, you know, the Lord just kept putting it in my life. And I'm like, come on, Lord, I don't want this, you know, but these people found me somehow. And, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of people go to jail and, you know, the sad thing is, is a lot of these people, once they don't forgive, I mean, once they don't get healing from what happened to them and they become abusers, they say it's very difficult for a lot of those people to ever change. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I don't believe there's anything that God can't heal. But yeah. uh, but it is very sad that a lot of those guys continue to do it. You know, that they even after they've been confronted, it's something that they keep doing. I think one of the main problems that we have in our world, and I'm going to talk more because this is both secular and Christian world, but we're talking to Christians mm -hmm. because it's just as bad or almost as bad in the Christian world as it is in the, the secular world. I mean, the churches are, are full of problems and abuse of some type. Mm -hmm. And I, I think one of the main problems we have is how we justify the scriptures in our own behavior. Um, for example, what are you talking for about? For example, people think that, you know, you should, uh, if you, you know, don't use spanking or the spare the rod, you know, save the child, whatever, or spoil the child. So they've got to spank, but they spank in anger and hate and, right. and they, they hit hard and they, they beat mm -hmm. in punishment rather than in, in discipline. Mm -hmm. That's one way. You, know? right. you have other ways where you know, parents say, you're good for nothing. You'll amount to nothing. You're just no good. What's wrong with you? Right. You've got a lot of mental, emotional, verbal abuse there. And, and so what, I, what I'm th saying is because people think, well, I'm the head of the home or I am the parent and so that I have this power to do what I want mm -hmm. it is so terribly not scriptural. Mm -hmm. You know, Jesus led by being a servant. Right. He led by love. He led by giving and laying down of his life. And the Bible says we need to do the same thing. All right. And that means for everyone, including your children, especially your children. I mean, the Bible says uh, that the children are a gift of the Lord. And we're to raise them mm -hmm. up in the Lord. Mm -hmm. And so basically, what are we doing when we're abusing them? We're obviously not raising them up in the Lord. We're not treating them like they're a gift of God. Uh, I teach that it's like you have this circle, and I and I talk about this in other uh, shows, but it's like you're this circle, and in the center you have another small circle, and it's like you are you are this thing, and in the center you have this center that I call Jesus. You put Jesus in the center of your life, so that every piece of the pie. That, that comes from that center because God brings to you everything in your life. You reject some, you accept some, you, you, you bring it in. Mm -hmm. So when God has brought you your spouse, brought you your children, brought you the, your job, people in your life, you know, how do you treat that? And I think that if we understand that God is to, supposed to be the center of every single relationship that you have in your life, that every the every way that you deal with these people or this person, uh, as Jesus being the center of that relationship, if if that is in your mind and in your heart all the time, then your attitude and your behavior will be such you're treating this person with the likes that Jesus wants you to because he is center of that relationship with your children, with your wife, your husband, your friends, your work. It work uh, people everything and I think that's the problem because once I say that I am the head of the home you do what I say we've got a problem because scripturally it doesn't teach that right. and I think that's one of the basic problems in the Christian world is what we have so we don't put Jesus in the center of those relationships instead we put ourselves and with an iron fist well yeah and you know I think as, as families a lot of times uh, we forget the power of prayer you know, mm -hmm. and I remember I heard a 
sermon one time where this guy talked about, you know, the guys that drill mines and stuff like that. And they said in the olden days, they'd have this long pole. And the guy that held the pole would hold the pole in in the hole, but he would be looking at the hole, not at the guy swinging the hammer. Okay? Mm-hmm. And that guy would bang away on the hammer, and they would spend hours drilling the hole. Okay? And it'd take a long time to drill that hole, but once they got the hole kind of drilled, they'd fill it with dynamite and blow the hole. Blow the hole. You know, so the dynamite did short work of it, but the real work was drilling that hole. Yeah. And this guy talked about prayer in a lot of these situations is drilling the hole, okay? Is, is, is the laborious drill in the hole. So when we get into these situations that we have no control over, or, you know, kids that um, then, then we have to saturate it in prayer and ask for God's healing or, or, or God to help you find favor or, or God to help in the situation that you underneath your own efforts have been unable to change, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, this is kind of an interesting story, but when, um, when my wife went through her sexual, uh, we were so fortunate to find a church that had a whole program uh, to help people that have been through abuse. And they told us they had a separate, separate class for the husbands of, you know, or the spouses. And they said, you know, your, your spouse is going to be very unsettled, angry, upset for the next six months. And, I, and the support group for the men was to help them walk through that part. Um, and um, uh, my wife, you know, she would have some really difficult days. And I remember whenever that would be going on, I would step outside. I would call Paul Staffel, and we would pray for my wife. And, I mean, it was unbelievable. I mean, this unsettled woman, when I was in the house, we walk out, we would pray. I'd walk back in, and my wife would be a completely different person, you know. And, you know, I was just like, wow, God. You know, and I'm not saying that that's going to happen every time, but it really showed me that when my wife was walking through this crisis, even though she couldn't be a real good wife to me at that point in time, my job was to protect her and cover her in prayer, you know, to, to, to be her bulk ward, you know, that to be the covering for her in this time that she was going through a healing process you know, and the Bible talks about as iron sharpens iron, you know, that, you know, you, you know I've, I've seen guys do sermons where, you know, you take a pencil and you can break it. But, you know, when there's a bunch of pencils, you can't break it, you know. And so our job with our family as husbands are to be covering our family mm-hmm. with the word of God, covering our family with prayer, you know, praying for their protection, you know, praying that you know, binding Satan's attacks on our family and stuff like that. And, you know, I think one of the things I learned in abuse was how much Satan uh, polluted, pollutes through that, what happened, the act of what God meant to be a blessing in our lives. Yeah. Marriage, sex, all these different things. I have a I have a definition of abuse. I want to read this definition. And it says, Abuse is the misuse of something that is otherwise good. Substance abuse is the misuse of medicines that, if used properly, can save and improve life. Uh, abuse of power is the misuse of authority that God ordained. The misuse of a human being means that someone has not treated that person the way that God intended him or her to be treated. Um, you know, it, it's funny because when talking about, and I want to make sure we insert this, there's a lot of people that have been abused. And I don't know if it's half, majority, we really don't know. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of people that have been abused in some 
form or fashion. And a lot of you who are uh, adults, you know, there is actual true healing. You don't have to go through life feeling like, acting like, claiming that you're a victim. Jesus came with power through the Holy Spirit to give healing for this abuse that, that has occurred. I mean, you don't have to go through life thinking that you're not worthy of God. You're not worthy of anyone, and you long for love, so therefore you end up doing things that you shouldn't or finding yourself in other abusive relationships. You know, at least he didn't hit hard, as hard as the other guy or whatever yeah. it might be. But, you know, we, we do that. We, we measure that, and we, we go through life, <clears throat> or people go through life, with the idea that, you know, uh, oh, I'm a victim because of so many years I've been abused. And they don't realize that Jesus can heal us, mm -hmm. totally, 100% heal us, heal us from that abusive behavior, you know, abuse that has happened to us. And a lot of times it's not an overnight healing. Oh, no. You know, and, you know, and I, I would think <clears throat> um, I would almost compare it to a reparenting, you know, that... Uh, even though we experienced abuse at the hands of our parents, when we hand ourselves over to Christ and to the, you know, God our Father, it's a process of realizing, hey, Jesus, you know, he loves me no matter what I do. Okay? His love will never go away. And, you know, in the Bible it talks about how he wants to set us free from these burdens, you know. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, he wants to be the healer. He wants to set us free. You know, he wants us to experience in in its fullness what God meant for us to have in all yeah. this, you know. And, you know, I, I heard, you know, that, you know, with our, our spouses, we, you know, we attach emotionally. We attach physically. And we attach spiritually. And if one of those three elements is messing or because of something damaged in your past, all you have is the physical and some emotional, but you don't have the spiritual. Or if one of those three stools uh, are missing, you're going to have a, a relationship that is less than what God meant for it to be. And that's like what I said in the beginning. You have the incapability of uh, intimacy. All right. You know, right. it's hard to con grab that and become one, become right. one in, in that intimate behavior. Uh, and, and I think that's one of the beauty, uh, you know, of, of, of you know, uh, my first marriage broke up and it broke me. I mean, I was worthless for two years, you know. Um, but in my second marriage, you know, I had had its rough times, too. But. Now, I, I feel like my marriage with my wife is very good. I feel like it's very strong. And I, I really feel that um, our marriage has become, in many ways, what God meant it to be. You know, I mean, there's always room for improvement. You know, kind of like your relationship with God, it could always be better. You know, and, you know, but, you know, what's so funny is, you know, it talks about how we put the Word of God inside of us. And, you know, whenever I get harsh with my wife, boy, that scripture screams in my head, Chet, you're not to be harsh with your wife. And I know that I need to go ask her forgiveness, you know. And, and um, I told the story last time about, you know, I had a bad incident with my son. And, you know, it happened years ago. And he brought it up and he was still kind of bitter about it. Yeah. And, and I just stopped and asked him for my for forgiveness for the way that I acted. And it was funny how it just melted in him when I asked him to please forgive me that I was wrong, you know, that I didn't try to justify it. And I, I think we are an example to our children. We're an example to um, our wives and everything, you know, that we're the example of God's love. Yeah. Well, it's like with my dad, I think 12, 13 years ago, I approached him and and I basically chewed him out for the way he treated me in my life and treated us kids, you know, and 
And at the end of the conversation, I thought, God, you know, I, I really didn't talk to him in an honoring way. All right. So, but as we walked down the hallway after this conversation was over, and I really let my dad have it, he stopped, turned around, and he says, I guess I owe you an apology. He had never in my life ever apologized to anybody that I ever know of. And that's amazing. And after that, what's interesting is that I got phone calls and talking to my nephews or my brothers. His dad's really changed or dad, Papa's really changed. He's he's like cares about us. He's going to church now and dressing and he's doing things. And something happened. But it, I think there's there can be healing. Whether it happens overnight, whether it happens in six months or a year, it doesn't matter. The, the, the key thing is focusing on, on the Lord and walking that direction. Um I think it's important that we know that you brought up the, the scripture about Jesus saying it's, you know, like having a millstone around your neck if you harm a child. Well, the Old Testament is full of this, too, whether it be in Deuteronomy, whether it be in Leviticus, you know, whether it be in Proverbs. And it talks, I mean, even the, the point where um, they talk about sacrificing children to Molech, you know, that's yeah. there's another one. You know, we're talking about maybe, and we don't need to get into this today, but, you know, abortion. Yeah. I mean, it's it's another thing. The innocent, we're harming them. And the Bible talks a lot about Old Testament and New Testament about child abuse. And it puts the parent at, you know, the responsibility part of it. And the Bible speaks against child abuse all the way through the Bible. Yeah. It really, it doesn't matter. I, I remember... One, one of the things, before I say that, one of the things that I've noticed, people grow up um, and they, when they've been abused or treated a certain way, and they usually say, I will never be like my mom. I will never be like my dad. I will never be like this and that. And they grow up this way with this idea and focus on what they don't want to do, don't want to be because of the negative behavior that was treated to them. Because they're focused on that negative behavior, those negative actions they only see that, they normally become that. The people who have victory over this are the people who can say, I'm going to do this instead. I'm going to be this way. I'm going to be something that God that honors God and God will honor. And so they look at the positive way to live life, you know, and the positive way to do things in life rather than the negative things that they don't want to do. It's perspective. It's back to looking at Jesus, looking at the positive things that how Jesus and the, and the scriptures teach us to be, which is in a positive life, a victorious life, a loving life. You know, and I think that when we see that, we have a lot better chance of growing and conquering the problems that we suffer through abuse, through the problems into the next relationship into our blended families. And it's not always it's not always as we were children that we were abused. There were there are people, there are women who marry controlling men because their fathers were controlling. And then those men control them and many times those men abuse them. And then when they leave, they leave their abused relationships and enter another relationship with the baggage into their new relationship because they just want to be loved. They just want to be cared about. And they're looking for someone who won't abuse them. And many times they walk into another abusive behavior because they're still, you know, looking back at what they where they came from, their father figure and so forth. And, and that's why the healing process is so important during the period of time before they get married. All right. You know, I have a scripture here. It's um, Romans 12, 2. It says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And, you know, I think that, you know, the whole part of becoming a Christian is to let the Word of God constantly wash over you, you know, that, um, and that you walk away from the world and you allow the renewing, uh, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, that God wants to renew our mind from whatever happened to us. So for those out there that have been abused, you know, God has a plan. You know, He wants to renew your mind. Mm-hmm. He wants to heal your mind. He wants to heal your past. 
and make you a fully functioning person in a marriage, you know, and it's never too late. You know, God, God can, can restore the years the locusts have eaten, you know, from the thing. You know, that God can take the things from the past. And, um, um, you know, it, it's, it's so interesting watching my wife. And because of her past, she can look through a room and she can tell you who the abusers are. And, and at first I used to go, oh, come on, you know, but she can and she can look through a room and and tell you who the abusees are, you know. And, you know, what's so interesting about it is abusers, it's almost like they have a radar. And they can look through a room and, and figure out that's an easy victim. Hmm. And, um, and I guess, you know, it's almost like you have something stamped on your forehead, okay, but what God wants to do is heal it so you no longer have to be a victim, you know? You, you know, he wants to heal it so you can receive and, and experience all that God meant you to have. And I think that's true with abusers also. There, there's healing for those who are abusers or who have abused. They're, I don't think we can just throw them, you know, in the gutter. I think that, you know, there, if you feel like, you know, oh, gee, I have this problem, I've, I've been doing this stuff, or I have done, or I am doing these abusive things, there is healing for, for you, too. I mean, it's just uh, amazing. The Bible says that as far as the east is from the west, you will cast our transgressions and remove them from us. And that includes everybody, everybody. And that's written in Psalm 103. There's another passage that's really kind of interesting. Uh, it says that uh, uh, in Romans that we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. You know, it says that we become a new creation when we become his. And there's a lot of hope more than any other belief system area in life in the world. There, there's hope for those who become Jesus. Right. There's hope, there's victory, there, there's a covering of sin. And I think no matter what side of the spectrum you're on, whether you're the abusee or the abuser, there is healing, there, there is hope, there is the possibility of becoming a new creation in Jesus. Right. And I think that's important <clears throat> that everybody understand that. To sit there and think, well, gee, I've done all these awful things. There's no hope for me. Well, you know, then they've not been taught the Scripture appropriately mm -hmm. because the Bible teaches all through the Scripture that there's victory in God. There, there's hope in Him. Yeah. And I think that we need to see that to be as believers when those of us who those are people who have or do not participate in any abusive behavior one side or the other it's up to us to be alerted to that to so that we can share the true gospel of, of jesus that he does redeem he does love he does care he does heal i agree and, and god can heal all things god forgives all things um the one just one caveat in your churches, protect your kids, you know, protect them, you know, um, you know, use accountability. You know, one of the things when I was a youth director, I would never counsel a child in a room that the door was closed. Yeah. You know, and I think you have to set up a set of rules in your church that doesn't allow um, abuse to go unseen. You know, you got to set up things to where there's accountability, there's transparency, and um, that you protect these kids. You know, um, you know, I, I would find it interesting to go back through the kids that were abused in the two churches that I worked at. Um, you know, how many of those kids are still involved in church, you know, yeah. you know, because of their experience? And I, th I think we have a responsibility to love on them, um, to help them get back to wholeness. And even the churches, when you when you have somebody or find somebody or something's brought to your attention that, 
one of one of your people on staff is abusing a child or children, you know, don't hide it. Don't brush it under the, the rug because okay. all that does is is put people against you, against God, and, and the person is is turning away. And that's not what God wants. I mean, <clears throat> churches carry insurance for people who can't afford counseling. You know, the people can always sue the church for counseling, for, for help. Right. And and the church has has insurance. You know, I'm not saying that people should sue the church, but I'm just saying that the church needs to take care of those who get hurt yeah. one way or the other. I think it's so important that we take care of uh, the people. We, we love them. We lay down our lives for every person, every situation in the church, and we don't hide it. We don't push, push it under the rug. And we heal the body of Christ. That's what it's all about. Healing and honoring each other. Healing and honoring God. Right. You know, and I think that's just it. Well, good job, Mr. Allen. Oh, I hope so. This is a tough topic. <laughs> it is. I think we handled it very well. Well, thank so. you for joining today. And um, if you have any comments or any questions, uh, please write, uh, whether you're watching on YouTube or on Facebook or on, on uh, listening to Spotify or whatever it is, please send a, um, some kind of an email or a comment. And I'll be glad to answer or and uh, let our viewers also uh, watch and read what you have to say. Well, thank you again. You guys have a wonderful, wonderful week and aloha. Alan Cutting and the Believer's Journey radio program seeks to teach the Word of God in a clear and practical manner. For more information, please visit the podcast page at am630theword.com.